Let's pray that God would help us to think about uh, those passages. Our Heavenly Father, please help us to understand what we need to understand and apply what we need to apply to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, parenthood is clearly something which is of great interest to both the individual mind and to the popular mind. At the popular level, think of all the culture which has to do with parenthood. There are the movies, parenthood, parent trap, meet the parents. There are the, the popular songs which deal with parent-child relationships, you know, Cat Stevens' father and son or Harry Chapin's um, uh, Cats in the Cradle, quite poignant songs if you, uh, if, you know the, if you know the lyrics. And it should come as no surprise to us that at an individual level, clearly uh, parenthood is of great interest to us uh, as well. All of us have had parents or have parents still and uh, we look back upon or we think of our parents, I imagine, with a whole variety of emotions. Uh, for me, I have very uh, fond and appreciative uh, memories of my parents who are both no longer with us. When I think of my parents, I think of the big things like their character, uh, which was you know, loving, hardworking, encouraging. I, th I think of their priorities, which was the importance of getting me involved with church uh, and uh, the value of education. Uh, Dad was perpetually driving me to sport. Mum was always there when I got home from school. There are a whole lot of mid-level things, which I remember my parents in relation to. Um, you know, family dinners on birthdays and, and holidays and the like, and a lot of the little things. Uh, my dad had a very dry sense of humour, and my mum's inability to get Gary Larson comics I found somewhat amusing as well. I could go on. Now, sadly for others, uh, their feelings towards their parents are or have been a little more muted, depending on the circumstances, and in some circumstances, very tragically, people have very sad and unhappy thoughts of, of their parents. Whatever it is, though, parents uh, have a massive impact and influence on us. And today, still to my slight surprise, I find myself a parent, and uh, it's, I think it's a, it's a it's a ministry which is an absolute joy, but it's a real battle. Sometimes the battle is with uh, our children. Uh, more often the battle uh, is with myself. Uh, parenting is not something rather which is easy to do. Uh, children are always easy to work with. Uh, there is a very famous quote from Socrates from the 5th century BC, which some of you may be familiar with. Let me read it out to you. Socrates from the 5th century BC. The children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in the place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up dainties at the table, cross their legs and tyrannise their teachers. Now, maybe that's a bit negative, but there probably are a few resonances there, I suspect, for, for, for some of us. Uh, you know, most of us, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Now, most of us want to parent well if we're parents, uh, and sometimes you can read books about parenting. There's an Australian family therapist by the name of Steve Bidulf. Some of you may have heard him. He's written some pretty interesting books. But, of course, when we want to think about parenthood, the best book to go to is the, the good book, which is what we're going to do this morning. Now, this morning we're concluding our Term 3 series on roles and relationships, and our final topic is that of parenthood. And it's relevant to all of us because all of us have had parents... Many of us are parents, all of us know parents, and uh, also I'm going to suggest that 
what's parenting about? It's about raising children, but it's not just parents who raise children. I think a community raises children, and particularly a church uh, should be involved in, in raising children. So we all have a role to play here. Hopefully you've picked up an outline on the way in. And firstly, I want to think a bit about uh, the context for parenthood and then children to parents, parents to children and the church to children. And we're particularly going to be focusing on the Ephesians 6 verses 1 to 4 passage. So let's start off by thinking about the context for parenthood. And let's start by thinking about the Christian or biblical context of those four verses which were just read to us from Ephesians chapter 6. Four verses by themselves tell us a lot, but we get a lot more out of it if we look at any passage of the Bible within the context of the whole book and also the whole Bible. So what are some of the things which occurred before Ephesians chapter 6 in the book which might be relevant to us as we think about uh, parenting and as we put those verses in context? Well, much could be said here, but if we went back to Ephesians chapter 2 and looked at verse 8, we would read that it's by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God. It reminds us that we're saved by grace. And then it goes on in verse 10 of chapter 2 to tell us that we're saved by grace to do the good works which God has prepared for us. Saved by grace to do good works. So we don't try and live well as Christians to get God's approval. We try to live well as Christians as people approved by God. Now it's very helpful to remember that, that our God's love for us is unconditional and based on grace and that's good for parents to know and it's good for kids to know as well. Why do I say that? Well, it's because parents and particularly older people often look back upon their life and their parenting and often there are regrets there. There are things they wish they had done differently, uh, things that they've done which they wish they hadn't done and things which they haven't done which they wish they had done. Uh, and um, depending on one's nature or, or, or personality, you can sometimes kill yourself thinking about the mistakes you think you may have made. Well, the great thing as a Christian is God's love for us is unconditional. He loves us regardless of how well or poorly we did at parenting. Um, it's, it's great to know that that is the case, that we always have God's love. Similarly, as children, some children have sometimes found themselves in the situation where they felt they've had to earn their parents' approval. They've had to achieve at a certain level or do certain things so that their parents will love them. Well, that's the way they feel. It's good for children to know that God's, if they're Christians, that God's love for us, them is unconditional. Whatever our performance is like as parents or whatever our performance is like as children, God loves us unconditionally as Christians and that is a life-changing and comforting truth. There was a very famous American diver, some of you may remember, a guy called Greg Leganus. He won uh, four gold medals over two Olympics. And uh, you can imagine that if you're up on a diving board about to dive at the Olympics, you'd feel a, a certain level of pressure. And apparently he was once asked how he coped with the pressure. And this is what apparently he said. He said, when I dive, I get up on the diving board, I remind myself that my mother loves me, and then I dive. <laughs> now that's interesting. He reminded himself as he dived of that one relationship that for him remained the same whatever happened. If he dived well, his mother loved him. If he, if he dived poorly, his mother still loved him. Interesting, isn't it? Now, that's a great testimony, obviously, to Greg Leganis's mother. But as Christians, where we're you know, diving into parenthood or diving into whatever endeavour we're involved with, it's good to know that we are loved by someone even more unconditionally than Greg was loved by his mother. Uh, I think that's a wonderful truth to bear in mind, particularly for parenting or if you're a child, as a child as well. 
So, we're saved uh, by grace, we're loved by God, we're saved to do good works. And uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 will tell us that we need to walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So all our relationships should be marked by love. What is love? It's a self-sacrificial commitment to the good of another person. So if we're involved in parenting or anything approximating parenting, um, we need to be, uh, show self-sacrificial commitment uh, to, to those people. Now, uh, that is highly countercultural because by nature and culturally by nature, we aren't self-sacrificially committed to the good of others a lot of the time. And even in small, trivial little ways, we're more naturally committed to ourselves than to others. So, you know, if you're a parent, uh, you're tired in the evening, late at night, one of your kids comes into you and says they need help with homework, which they could have asked you any time in the last week, but they leave it till the night before to get help. Or you're on holidays and you're lying on the beach, finally getting some rest and your kids decide they want to bury you in sand and you don't really feel like being buried in sand. And you know, What's your concern for it? You know, I guess you need to think, well, what do you make? am I going to display love here or, or, or what? Am I self-sacrificially committed to the good of someone else or my own comfort and well-being? But this idea of love in relationships, including parenthood relationships, would have been countercultural in the first century as well. I've read that in the first century, a Roman father had pretty much absolute power over his family. If he wanted to sell his children into slavery, he could. If he wanted to put them in chains, he could. If he wanted to make them send them out to work in the fields, he could. And in fact, if he wanted to have them killed, he could. There we go. So for a Roman father who's just converted and become a Christian in the first century to be told that he needs to show self-sacrificial commitment to the good of his kids, big countercultural experience for him. So, uh, yes. Now, uh, the teaching on parents and children, uh, which we have in this verse, comes just after chapter 5 of Ephesians, which at the end was talking about the relationship between husbands and wives, which we looked at a few weeks ago. The final verse of chapter 5 uh, says to husbands and wives that uh, husbands must love their wives and that wives must show respect for their husbands. I don't want to go back into that uh, topic uh, again, but uh, the teaching on parents and children comes after the teaching on husbands and wives, and it's often been commented that one of the, one of the best things we can do for our kids is to love our spouse. Uh, that's going to create a really uh, helpful environment for our children. So there's that. So there's a bit of the biblical context of the verses, but just perhaps a bit of cultural context as well. I've said many times this term, and you're probably getting sick of it now, that I think contemporary society today is marked by attitudes of autonomy and authenticity. That's the whole do what you want to do, be who you want to be philosophy. Uh, things like individualism, feelings and expressing ourselves are paramount. And I've also said that whereas many aspects of that, you know, feelings, expressing ourselves, individualism, doing what you want to do, being, being who you want to be, many aspects of that are positive. But as an ultimate worldview and guide for life, it's lousy because it's ultimately selfish and self-focused. Uh, and so if we're trying to live as Christians in the area of the family and we're trying to train our children uh, in good values, we're going to be at some level in conflict with our society as well. What's new? Uh, with, when it comes to parents and kids, it's not do what you want to do, be what you want to be. It's do what God wants you to do and be who God wants you wants you to be. Uh, that's what we need to bear in mind. So we will get a bit of cultural kickback as we try and think about parenting Christianly. 
So with that in mind, uh, let's go and look at the verses in Ephesians which deal with parenting, specifically verses 1 to 4, and we'll start with the responsibility of children to parents. Ephesians 6.1 reads, Children, obey your parents in the law, Lord, for this is right. Did you sort of wonder what, when it says this is right, what's that talking about? What does that mean? Well, uh, John Stott, the esteemed John Stott, says that what it's referring to, it's, it's saying something which is generally known and understood in the world, known across all cultures, something which might have once been referred to as, you know, natural law or, or natural justice. You know, in the ancient Greek world and the ancient Roman world, it was thought that children should obey their parents. The teachings of Confucius uh, in, say that children should obey their parents. Pretty well, wherever you go in the world, as far as I understand it, there's this understanding that children should obey their parents. And I think that's what that first idea is getting at, this idea of natural law or natural justice. But it's not just natural law or natural justice which tells, uh, encourages children to obey their parents. It's also the revealed law of God. So here in Ephesians verses 2 and 3, it goes on to say, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, as you've probably picked up, uh, those words are picking up one of the Ten Commandments, uh, which you can read about in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, this honouring, this obeying, this submitting to the authority of doesn't come naturally to people or children. It must be taught and it must be learned. Uh, Paul Tripp is a well-known American pastor and conference speaker who I know some people here are, are, are quite fans of. Uh, and he's written on parenting and he said, your children must learn early that they have been born into a world of authority and they're not it. <laughs> right? uh, I think that's a helpful uh, comment. Now, when we think about children obeying their parents, there are a few questions which could come up, which I'd like to briefly address. The first one is, in what sense will obedience to parents lead to long life? Uh, which is what verses 2 and 3 talk about. Well, it seems to me that being obedient to your parents, uh, having long life, it's not a universal statement that every obedient child will live long life. It's a general wisdom statement that, generally speaking... Children being obedient to their parents will usually be associated with them living longer. Now, uh, people uh, who grow up uh, being obedient to their parents, who listen to their parents' advice, which is generally good advice, who learn to acknowledge and to respect authority, not just in the home but in society, uh, people like that tend to live safer <laughs> longer lives because they'll generally make better decisions uh, and such forth. Um, now there are many uh, exceptions to that. There are many cases where obedient children do die young or fairly young. I mean Jesus was an obedient child and only lived to his 30s, right? It's not a universal statement, it's just a general statement of principle. I was watching um, a video of an American courtroom uh, a, a, a few weeks back and the judge was speaking to a teenage offender who'd done some, I think, some traffic infringement and he was there with his mother and the judge in the end let the mother uh, let the, the teenager off with a warning but said what I want you to do I want you to go home stick with your mother listen to what your mother has to say and uh, I thought that's interesting that he thought that that would be the most useful thing <laughs> for that child that teenager to learn um, you know obeying our parents is generally associated with longer wiser living
Second thought is, are there any limits on uh, how a child should obey their parents? Well, I can think of two, and one of them comes from the passage. It says, children should obey their parents, verse 1, in the Lord. So uh, we obey our parents unless what our parents want us to do is clearly in conflict with the Christian faith. So if your parents said, go out and kill someone, you wouldn't do it. If your parents said, you cannot be a Christian, give it up, you'd have to ignore your parents there. Uh, But generally speaking, we obey our parents unless it goes against our Christian faith. Now, there are some grey areas there which we could go into, but I won't bother. But the general principle is uh, God is our ultimate authority over our parents and so God trumps it if there's ever a conflict. Secondly, do we have to obey our parents all our lives? Uh, To which I would say no. Um, We obey our parents when we're children, but when we become adults, we are responsible for our own decisions. So, but whereas we don't have to obey our parents when we're adults, we should still honour our parents as adults. This idea of honouring our parents is a lifelong thing. So I would argue that we obey our parents when we're children. When we're adults, we honour them, which will certainly involve listening to them and taking seriously whatever it is that they may want to say to us. So there are, uh, I guess, a few nuances there. So that's children to parents. Let's go on to our third section, parents to children. Uh, particularly looking at verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The picture here is of a father as a, a loving educator of his children. Now, I mentioned how a father was viewed in first century Roman society and a first century Roman father probably didn't see himself, uh, from what we understand, as a loving educator of his children. Uh, But what is being urged upon the father here is to be a large, loving educator of his children. But this is also uh, not necessarily how fathers have been perceived in more recent centuries as well, Uh, perhaps last century in the United States. There was a a very popular Western movie from the 1950s called Giant, which I think had had Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor and a few others in it. And it involves this, um, this Texan guy who owns this massive property, and he's sort of like the master of the property in Texas where everything's bigger and better. And uh, apparently he's trying to get his three-year-old son, the guy's name is Jordan Benedict, and Jordan's trying to get his son to learn to ride a horse. And his son doesn't seem to like, to like it. And so the Texan Jordan Benedict said to his wife, I rode before I could walk. And his wife sort of suggested, well, maybe, you know, maybe uh, your son doesn't particularly like riding. Uh, to which Benedict says, he's a Benedict. And I'm going to make a horseman out of him if I have to tie him to it. You can sort of picture it, can't you? It's not the idea of a loving educator of children. It's someone who's just imposing his will uh, on his child. Well, that's not the sort of uh, parenting which is being described here in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I should note here that I've been using the term father there. But the term translated father could equally be translated uh, father and mother uh, in, in in the general sense. And given that verses 1 to 3 have been talking about children to parents, you know, fathers, mothers and fathers, I think it will be a very safe assumption to assume that when it says fathers, don't exasperate your children, etc., it's meaning fathers and mothers. <laughs> parents, don't exasperate your children. So I'm going to go on and use parents from now on. So verse 4 says, parents, do not exasperate your children. Now, it's easy to see how Jordan Benedict from the movie Giant could exasperate his son as a three-year-old, and when his son gets older, you can imagine he's still going to be getting exasperated by his father. Um, How might fathers and parents and mothers, you know, all of us, exasperate our children today? Well, (laughs) we might set our children 
unreasonable demands. We might place unreasonable restrictions on them. We might be inconsistent with them. We might find ourselves being unfair. We might be unreasonably annoyed with them. We might be unreasonably absent from them. Uh, I look at that list and feel an element of um, reserve in reading it out. You know, I'm aware of my shortcomings. Now, I guess if we're parents or any of those things are true of us, um, because they do have consequences. Uh, the actor Robin Williams, who many of you would know, uh, once said, I, I wanted my father to spend time with me when I was young, but he wouldn't. When I was 15, he wanted to take me fishing, but by then it was too late. You know, that's a, a sort of a warning, isn't it? It's like the Harry Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle, uh, if you know that. Now, that's what parents shouldn't do. What, pa what should parents do? Well, it says in verse 4, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, what is it that you most want from your children? Uh, in me, it's that they'll grow up to be keen Christians. Uh, nothing else even comes close to that. Nothing else is even, even in the same ballpark uh, as that. Now, the fact is we can't make our children Christians, but we, it's outside of our control. It's between God and them. But what we can do is point them in the right direction and we can provide them with the sorts of, I guess, teaching and input such that if they ever do become Christians, they will have been well trained and prepared for it uh, by us. But ultimately, it, it's up to God. Now, when we bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord, we will often delegate some of that authority to others. And so we often put our children in the hands of Sunday kids and Sunday youth teachers and youth leaders and spark leaders and school teachers and scripture teachers and the like. And um, it's good to do that discerningly. But we don't want to surrender that to others. Um, we just delegate uh, that, I guess, uh, responsibility to others. But we want to remain in charge of that uh, ourselves uh, as parents. Now, what might that look like? Now, uh, there are lots of things which families can try and do here. Uh, when our kids are still at home, we can try and have regular times of uh, family Bible reading and prayer. Now, our family does that a few times each week. I wish we did it more than that, but we, do, we give it a red-hot go. <laughs> and we do it about, you know, a few times a week we pray uh, and um, read a bit of the Bible after dinner. Uh, I always pray with my kids at night before they go to bed, and I'll almost drop anything to do that. I usually pray with them in the car when I drive them anywhere in the morning. I try and look for conversational opportunities with kids, as, I, as we, we both do at home. Uh, my daughter, as you may know, is very interested in sport, so I've been telling, talking to her a bit about sport and Christianity recently and <laughs> hoping she understands what I'm trying to communicate to her. Uh, and, and, and I pray for my kids pretty much every day, particularly their spiritual lives. What a few other ideas. The Old Testament is very helpful, helpful here. Uh, the Deuteronomy 6 reading in verses 7 to 9 says as follows. It's, it's referring to the God's commands and it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That could spark a few ideas. You know, talking in any situation at morning and night. We mightn't write things on the door frames of our houses, but we might have little Christian posters or little things up around the house reminding us of things, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, what can we do? Here are some thoughts. What are the sorts of things which are going to stop us doing that? Laziness. Uh, feeling that we don't know what to say, that we're not that crash hot a Christian ourselves, which may very well be the case, but we probably know more about Christianity than we realise. And if we feel we don't know much about it, well, why don't we train ourselves to know it better so that we can impart helpful things to our children? Lack of ideas about how to go about it. 
Well, pretty much every other parent here is probably working through the same issues, and if we talk to others, we'll probably get some good ideas, as I have on occasions from talking to people. Lack of time to do it. Well, if lack of time is our reason, I guess I'd simply say, what on earth are you giving your time to, which you think is more important? I mean, really, what is more important than that? So, you know, I think we, there's many, much help we can get uh, in this area, and we need to uh, do our best. Now, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones is someone I sometimes quote, a famous English preacher from last century. He once said, if parents but gave as much thought to the rearing of their children as they do to the rearing of their animals and flowers, the situation would be very different. Possibly something in that. Easier to listen to something like that than suddenly feel very guilty. Because all of us, if we have sensitive consciences, which many of us will, we're very aware of the things, we're, our, our, our shortcomings here. And all it needs is for someone like me to get up the front and make a few of these comments, we just sit there feeling guilty as all get out about how hopeless we are and all the mistakes we've made. And look, you know, none of us are perfect. Um, none of us are what we should be. And I think what I would say to that is that we need to remember that we're saved by grace, that God loves us like, you know, Greg Laganis's mother. <laughs> Greg remembered that before we dived. As we try and parent, we remember that God loves us uh, regardless of how we go. We still want to do our best, but we remember that we're saved by grace, not works. Having said that, wherever we are at now, uh, let's, let's go from there. Now, fourthly, uh, church to children. Uh, I think this is an important point because uh, whether you're a parent or not, all of us here, I think, should be investing in the children of this church in some form or another. Uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians assumes that there are adults and children in the church. The book of Ephesians urges us to love and support one another. So our loving and supporting of one another is not just of other adults here, it's of children here, and not just our children, other children who are here. So we should be thinking about and investing a bit of thought and time and effort into the other children at this church, other than those in our own family uh, situation. Now, obviously, we need to be appropriate here. What are some appropriate things we might think about? Well, I think it's good if we try and take an interest in other children uh, from this church. Now, I know many people do that because a number of people here I know take an interest in my children and try and make a point of chatting to them. I try and talk to other people's kids as well. But, you know, think about we have a responsibility for everyone here, which includes taking responsibility and having an interest in all the children at this church of, I guess, whatever age. Uh, as appropriate in those relationships, we might be able to share something about our own Christian lives with them, uh, which might be helpful. Uh, because young people, you know, teenagers, younger kids, they all need good role models. They all want to see how Christianity is lived out in the world. Um, that can be really helpful for them as well. And all those things are informal, but there, of course, there are many formal ways of helping the children at our church. Uh, helping out with Sunday kids, helping out with holiday Sunday kids, uh, helping out with Spark or the youth groups or school scripture. Uh, lots of ways it can be done. Who are my three or four heroes? You know one of them is Corrie ten Boom, don't you? You know that in the Second World War, she was in a concentration camp and the book The Hiding Place is associated with that. What you may not know is that before the war, uh, she was quite a good uh, watchmaker. She was involved in her father's business. I think she was one of the best... I think she might have been the, the only female watchmaker in Holland. So she had quite a, you know, a, a good job. But she spent much of her life before the war. Um, she started up and ran a Christian club for girls which I think hundreds of girls went through. And they would do 
Bible studies together, they would pray together, they would do activities like going walking and doing crafts, etc., together. And apparently, I don't it might have even been thousands of girls she had an influence on, uh, but hundreds of girls, she invested in the girls in her area and in, in her church, which I think is a great example. So uh, other people's children are part of the church that we should be concerned about. Then a word for parents, uh, it's important to plug our children uh, into the church. We want to help them to have significant relationships with other people at our church. Um, and this may come easily, it might be difficult. Sometimes our kids are very happy to be involved in church and youth group and things. Sometimes they may not be particularly happy to do it. Um, I think we need to do our best at persisting uh, there. Uh, I'm very grateful for the friends my kids have and the other families who know my kids here at church. I'm, very I'm really grateful for the Sunday kids leaders up there and uh, the youth group leaders and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, let's you know, do our best to plug our children uh, into church. So I'll conclude. Uh, we've now come to the end of our Term 4 series on roles and relationships and our topic today was parenthood, which I've expanded slightly to talk about parenthood but also discipling the children in our church, which is everybody's concern, whether we happen to have kids uh, or not. What's the big idea? Well, in the context of a loving Christian family and a loving Christian church, we want to bring children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What do we want to do? We want to bring children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Why don't I pray for us? Uh, Heavenly Father, we do pray that here at this church and in our families, we would be very concerned to prayerfully and as best we can bring our own children up and also other people's children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.